Greetings, glorious beings. I'm Paulette, your host of Thriving in Chaos, the podcast. I'm thrilled to introduce you to sparkling examples of inspiring, powerful, wise, and trailblazing women. I've curated experts in their fields to help us all listen, learn, and grow towards all the possibilities of living your best life. As a certified divorce coach, I regularly witness a range of deep emotions. What those emotions have taught me is all we really need to support our sisters is to share our knowledge and loving kindness. Please subscribe and thank you for sharing the love by tuning in. Now let's thrive in the chaos. Welcome to Thriving in Chaos. I'm your host, Paulette, and I am so happy you're here. Uh, the last 16 months, I've brought to you some really amazing women, and today is no different. Welcome, Sonia Keralt. She reached out to me on LinkedIn back in 2018 when I was really shifting my life from being a yoga teacher trainer and an expat living in Belize, running a retreat studio where I was teaching aerial yoga, and I didn't know the direction of my life. I had no idea that I would become a registered mediator and a certified divorce coach that's changing the lives of so many people who are going through the grueling process of divorce, but I am, and that's what I'm doing. So I was lucky enough to receive some correspondence from this lovely woman who was really recruiting experts and women who had been experienced in going through all stages of divorce from the very beginning all the way to transformation after. So Sonia was born in Barcelona, raised in New York and a lover of Miami. She went to American University. She went to Northeastern Law School and practiced law in Massachusetts of all places. But we connected when she became the founder of a company named Divorceify back in 2018. I connected with her and welcome to the show, Sonia. Thank you so much, Paulette, for having me on. It is an absolute honor to be on here today. Hmm, thank you. Where do we start? I want to have you share a little bit about the beginning of your journey with your own personal divorce and how that empowered you to create a business like Divorceify. What is it and how did you get there? Sure. So, um, so let me start with what Divorceify is and then I'll transition into how I got there. So Divorceify really is um, a platform that connects people going through divorce or in the middle of divorce or dealing with post-divorce issues to vetted professionals, all types of professionals who touch the divorce process. The idea being that it really does take a team of professionals to get a family through a divorce or an individual. So that's what we do. Um, with that, we also have technology where people who are in the midst of divorce can go in. Uh, they fill out a few questions and this, we produce a roadmap, a customized roadmap to that person where there we share with them 
the types of professionals that they may need in their divorce and we connect them to those in our network. We also share with them different resources that they may benefit from and tips, the types of things that you don't know until you go through it. Um, so we're giving them sort of divorce homework to prepare, to feel empowered as they start to launch this process. So that's what Divorceify is. Um, how did I get there? Well, I was a divorce litigator in Massachusetts. I litigated a lot of high-end and uh, divorces. So people had money and they would argue over everything. This immediately exposed me to the issues that Divorceify tries to address. I immediately realized that people were coming to me as their attorney and also thinking that I was their divorce coach, their therapist, their financial advisor, their realtor, and I wasn't. And I wasn't qualified to be those roles. That was not what I was qualified to do. I am their an attorney. So that sort of lack of team approach became very obvious to me. Then in the midst of all of this, um, I was going through my own personal uh, turmoil in my marriage. It had, it had fallen apart. I knew it. Um, and I was trying to navigate my reality with my occupation as an attorney. And every the lines were getting blurred for me. And so... One day I was sitting on my couch in my condo that I shared with my ex-husband in Boston. And I remember saying out loud to myself and my cat at the time, Bella, who probably was like, oh, I'm so sick of hearing about all of this, but it was the only person I had ever, it was, she was the only thing that I had ever voiced things out loud to myself with her there. And I just looked at myself and said, if this is as good as it gets, it's not good enough for me. And I have to do something. And I did. And I uh, asked for a divorce. I started to wrap up my life in Boston. And at the same time, I got myself a team of professionals. I went to a therapist. I went to, uh, even though I was an attorney, I could not handle my own divorce. Um, and I went to an attorney. I went to a financial advisor that I trusted. And I began to really prepare myself for chapter two. And in that preparation came the reality that I knew that I needed to leave Boston. It had too many memories. It was too hard for me. Um, and I needed to really start again and reclaim my life. Um, and so I packed up on September 1st, 2015. I drove to New York, which is where I grew up. And from there, three days later, I drove down to Miami Beach and I had an apartment there. I had only the little belongings that fit in my car and my cat. And I started again from nothing. <laughs> started again. And that's sort of my journey. So in the middle of all of this, when I quit my job as a litigator at the firm that I was at in Boston, I realized that there were that I could offer help to people in the middle of divorce um, in other ways, not just as an attorney but really as connecting them, educating them, talking about what this journey looks like and 
talking about the team approach and having the right people behind you and the right resources and knowing your options and really helping people not only get started on the right foot on their divorce, but also helping them transition to a chapter two that is better than they could have imagined. Well, I'm so glad that you had that vision because I had a very similar vision. And what I'm finding is that those of us out there that have a similar vision are finding each other. And we are able to start to create a real shift in the, I hate to use the word stigma, but it's a little bit of a stigma, right? That, um, that you're a failure um, as, a, as a woman, as a mother, as a, as a wife, um, based on your setting, whether you've been married two weeks, two years, you know, two months, two years, or 20. It, I, every day, hear from women, and men too, that when the topic of divorce comes up, we instantly feel like we're a failure. Oh, I agree. I agree. Uh, I absolutely agree with you. Um, and I agree with what you said with the stigma. And I think that that's part of the, the, the bigger movement with all of us, right? It's the reframing of the conversation surrounding divorce. Divorce isn't a failure. And and that's a big part of why I am very open about my divorce and very open about the fact that at that time in that marriage, I was not the best partner. I was not the best wife. I was not, and I have I own my truth and what I could have done better, uh, for sure. But it takes two people. And um, so divorce is never one person's fault. Um, I know that sometimes, and a big part of it is, you know, sometimes we look at divorce and somebody's cheated or somebody's done something. When you really are able to take a step back from your situation and look at it, those are all symptoms of something deeper that's been going on. And I had to, in order to heal and move forward, you have to own your part, your truth in it. But it's not a failure and it's a learning experience. And the reframing of the conversation is so important because if we don't reframe it, people don't want to come out and talk about it. And I can't tell you, Paulette, how many times I have openly talked about my divorce and have just seen somebody or heard somebody just take that sigh of relief and just look at me and go, oh my God, okay. Let me tell you, it's like suddenly they feel like I can share. Thank you so much for sharing with me. And really, it should be a very open conversation. Right. So, Sonia, as an attorney now, I'm going to have you kind of switch hats to an attorney, your, you know, your legal hat. Here. Yeah. As an attorney, you know, yep. it's an adversarial process where you have paperwork to file and financial statements to fill out. and assets to distribute, um, and children or parenting plans to create. And, oh goodness, I could keep going, but you get the picture. You know, how do you see that, um, formality setting us up for failure? Sure. So I think that, I'm sorry, Paulette. I said, or conflict. Or conflict. Yeah. 
So um, I think a few things. Number one, this is what comes down to really picking the right team of professionals from the start. Um, you need somebody around, whether it's your uh, attorney, let's say attorney right now, you need an attorney that understands what you want and how you want to get there. Everybody sort of sees on TV these pit bull attorneys that go into court and they're ready to fire shots at each other and, and just create more havoc in, in, all in a situation that is already hot with emotion, hot with just already inherent conflict in it between the two people. So I think that that's why at Divorceify, the picking of the vetted professional network, it's just not anyone who comes in. Although we all as divorce professionals approach the problem differently, the mission is the same in that we all believe in this holistic approach to getting people to where they need to be, meeting people where they are and getting them to where they need to be in the best way possible. Mm -hmm. So I think that's number one. Number two is as, as professionals, when you're a part of this team, it's, yes, like you said, there are all these formalities that need to be filed, all of these things that need to happen. And we can approach that in a conversation level-headed. The idea of the professional is not to add fuel to the fire, but to maintain a level of, of just something that can be calm. Because the reality is that as professionals, when they, these people get to the end of their divorce process, we're out of the picture. And these people have to continue to live their lives and most have to continue to co-parent. And you really want to set them up for success in that because the, the, the ones that benefit the most from a healthy co-parenting relationship are the children. Mm -hmm. And so I think that those formalities aren't going to go away. It's how we approach these conversations. It comes again to that reframing of the conversation, not approaching it, well, your, your ex wants blood. So you know what? You've got to approach this in this way in order to get what you want out of it. No, this is your family. These are the facts that, are, that surround this family unit. Every family is different. Every divorce is different. We need to hear what clients are saying, and we need to then adjust. And we can obviously we can advise them because that's our role. But we really need to not just try and funnel them through a a, a just checklist of things, but we need to treat them as a family unit and really understand what their needs are and how they can get to what their end goal is. And that's what we need to do. So that, so picking the right professionals that really understand you and that you're comfortable with and that, will, and that you're comfortable with their style of practice, with their style of communication, with how they want to get there, that's what we need to focus on. And look, I, I understand very much some divorces, need to be litigated. Some divorces, you need to take a hard stand. Understood. But that doesn't mean that we need to increase the level of conflict in that situation. We can meet where we can meet the other party where they are as well. And we can sort of adjust. But really, 
we are, I have seen thousands of divorces at this point in my life. And many, if not mostly all, you can come to the table and agree, not on everything, but on many things. If the conversation is approached appropriately, if you're really hearing what your client needs and wants. Beautifully said, my dear. So let's think now, you know, like what, what do you say to those out there who are at the very beginning of the journey of exploring divorce where those that are feeling a little unsettled, you know, that kind of feeling of uncertainty and I don't know yeah. what's next, I'm terrified of the future. Maybe they're yeah. sitting back on the couch, that conversation that you wanted to have back with your husband at the time on, in Boston, you know, like, what do you say to those women out there that are really at odds with the fear and the confusion? Oh, gosh, I know that all too well. And I think the first thing that I, that I would say is, it's okay. You are feeling exactly what you need to feel. None of these feelings are wrong. None of these, you, it's okay. And it will be okay, but it's going to take time and it's going to be a journey. And I think that that's, that's a big piece is understanding that as much as all of us, and trust me, I was one of them and in my role as a professional and in my personal life where I just wanted it to be over now, right now, let's just end it. It is a process. Divorce is a process. Let yourself feel these feelings. Be kind to yourself as you feel these things. It's okay to feel and understand that healing, once the divorce is over, does not mean that all of this goes away. There's then a second process that you enter, which is the healing and chapter two and transition. And I think it's really important for these women who feel that to really, if you can accept those feelings of confusion, the, those feelings of just being petrified, the what if, if you can just accept that, okay, this is okay, I feel this, I am so scared, but you have to do take baby steps and put one foot in front of the other and start small, what you can manage, what you can handle, and start the journey. Because if we don't move from that couch, none of that will ever go away. Those feelings will not go away. And you are in control of your happiness. And it is true. And you don't want to look back in 20 years and say, wow, I sat and stewed in those feelings. I didn't move. I didn't do anything. And I'm still in the same place that I was 20 years ago. Mm. I'm still in the same place and same feelings that I was in. You don't want to do that. Regret is an awful, awful, awful thing. And you don't want to regret that you didn't fight for your happiness. And it's hard. There's, I, it, and there are going to be days that you can't fight. And there are going to be days that, that you don't want to take any steps forward. And that's okay. Mm. I think that really the acceptance of the feelings, the acceptance that this is a process and that everybody's process is different, be patient with yourself and do what you can every day 
when you decide that you're going to go forward with this, do what you can every day to give yourself a few minutes of peace and a few minutes of clarity. For me, it was I sat down with a cup of tea, and I'll never forget this, peppermint and yerba mate tea. <laughs> and I sat down with a cup of tea, looked out the window, and just gave myself permission for, I started with one minute, one minute, I am not going to think about anything. I'm just going to sit here and feel whatever it is. If I had to cry, I let myself cry. If I wanted to yell, I yelled. I just let myself be. And I think that's really important to really okay. What you're feeling is okay. And if you talk to your best friend who also went through a divorce, who didn't feel these feelings, that's okay too. Because we're all different. But when you can accept, you can start to, to, to give yourself a sense of peace and move. And that's what's really important. Mm. Beautiful. You summed that up so eloquently. I can relate to that moment too where I don't think it was peppermint, but it, it might have been iced coffee. I was a little bit of an iced coffee. Yeah. Uh, you kids a Boston thing, right? I would drink iced coffee even in the, a blizzard. So I lived on- Right. I know, it's weird. I lived on Diet Coke and Snickers bars or when I was a dancer because it was the only thing that was in a vending machine. And- I lived on hard-boiled eggs and iced coffee back when I was contemplating, you know, those those days of sitting there. And I remember doing the same thing, my dear, with allowing myself to feel my feelings because for so many years, yeah. and I mean years, I was pretending that I was okay. I was exactly, but I put on a damn exactly. happy face. You know, I think it's just from being a dancer. We're told to put on your face and get out there and never let them see you sweat and break a leg yeah. and, you know, just, just you know, get out there. The show must go on. So I kept flat balls yep. and pirouetting and, and I was, you know, running around in the, in the minivan with the kids and smiling and cooking and cleaning and entertaining and just... My life is great. Everything's awesome. I have this wonderful man and these beautiful children and this fabulous job. And, but Tanya, I was freaking miserable, depressed, anxious, yep. almost on the brink of suicide. Like I literally contemplated yeah. how the, I'm going to swear, fuck, do I get out of this situation? I am absolutely yep. miserable. And I owned a lot of my pain and I took responsibility for how I screwed up and I knew that something had to change or yep. I'd be miserable. So would everybody else. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, you have just described my life uh, minus the kids and dancing to a T uh, exactly right. And the pretending is such a heavy burden. I, I have to say, I have never felt as light and free, even though I was so scared and felt and so confused and so alone, but I had never felt so light and free when I stopped pretending, when I could just stick in my truth. And some days were, were ugly and dark, and there's no doubt about it. But I 
was finally able to feel my truth and not carry that pretending game that I had carried for many, many years. And it was one of the most free moments of my life. And I didn't realize it at the time. I felt lighter, for sure, physically, because everything's so heavy. Um, I felt lighter, but I've been able to look back and I remember that moment and think, and now I see and I'm like, wow, I, I felt I was finally able to really feel and be honest with myself about what I was feeling because the pretending was just, it was very hard. And I promised myself, I'll never pretend again. Uh, people may not like what I have to say. Um, my husband now may not like some of the conversations we need to have. It, it, life, life is not easy, but I will never pretend again. And I haven't. And it's been a very freeing and a very empowering um, process for me. But I understand it, 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 it's hard. It's very, very hard. And when you're in the middle of it, you don't quite realize how heavy that burden of pretending is. You're exhausted at the end of the day. And when you're alone with your thoughts, you're thinking like, oh, God. But you keep doing it. You wake up in the morning, you put on that smiley face, you go out in public, and everything's fine. We're great. Everything's great. And it wasn't. And I just, if I'm having a bad day, everybody around me knows I'm having a bad day. If I'm having a tough moment, I'm having a tough moment. I own my truth every day. Mm. And it's not easy, but it's, it's, it's necessary. Mm. You know, you, you said something that really struck me when you said, I will never pretend again. People might, might yeah. not like what I have to say. Um, and for me and my clients and yourself, when I hear the truth in your story, it's that feeling of fear of people might not like what I have to say. What will the... Yeah questions be? What, what's the risk? And I might lose my whatever, fill in the blank, family, friends, relationship, jobs, money, you know, reputation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I've, I've sort of summed it up to what I call the price of exit. That feeling. I love that. <laughs> it's the price of exit. What is the price we have to pay in order to be authentic and step into our own skin and power and truth so that we can live an actual, real, truthful life. And divorce is just one example of that. When we as women yeah. pretend and put on the makeup and put on the mask, and when you take off the mask, not everybody likes it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And you know what, Paulette, that's just uh, very well said, and I agree completely. And you know what, it's like, part of it is like, who cares? <laughs> you, we are not, you know, it, it's part of me is like, an excuse. I heard you curse, so I can say, fuck it. We are not for everybody, and everybody is not for us. But if you can be your authentic self, you're not going to be for everyone. Who cares? They're lost. Keep it moving. There is a sense of, of just ownership that, and a sense of pride that we have to have. We've overcome things. We are who we are, and we should be proud of who we are, regardless 
of what anybody else thinks. And so many times we we try and bend and alter and, and sugarcoat things because we don't want to offend and we don't want to say and we don't want to be looked at as, are we being too strong? Are we being, you know, and especially women, we have to balance all of these different things. You are who you are. You're comfortable in your own skin. That's a beautiful thing. It shows confidence. It's very empowering. And you know what? If somebody doesn't like it, keep it moving because there's going to be somebody else who really respects it and respects who you are at the core. And those, that's your tribe. Those are your people. And that's the people you'll attract. And everybody else, that's just noise. Keep it moving. And it's something that I feel very, I for so long, and I'm sure many women listening have felt the same for so long, was just trying to make others happy from work to personal relationships to everything. It was about everybody else than me. And in that, I lost myself. Who am I really? How do I really feel? What do I need? What do I want? It's okay to sometimes want something and asking for it. That's okay. Mm. And we should do it. And once that all became a part of my core, and what and, and I was able to shed all of these other layers. I realized like, yeah, I'm not that bad. I'm not that bad at all. And if somebody doesn't like what I have to say, if somebody doesn't like who I am, that's all right. That's okay. Because I'm not for everybody, but I am who I am. And with that, keep it moving. <laughs> How has motherhood changed your view of divorce? Oh my God, so interesting. So that's a great question. How has it changed my view of divorce? Number one, for all of the mothers going through divorce, I cannot imagine. It is just such another layer. Um, Especially when you have a co-parent that you don't, especially when you have a co-parent you don't trust, a co-parent who is not only, uh, who is a, a bad parent, doesn't know how to parent. I can't imagine when a judge says that they must have visitation with that child, the absolute turmoil, anxiety, fear, all of it that goes through these moms that know that they're dropping off their child to somebody who is subpar parent. Um, so that part of it has been something that for me, ha I've looked back on so many clients um, and many of which were parents and some of the worst divorces that they've gone through. And I, tr I, I just, I can't imagine you want to protect your children there's nothing like um, a mother's love. There just isn't. It's different. And it's not to say that dads can't be phenomenal parents. And of course they can, but there's something different. And so I really can't imagine. Um, it, the other part of it is it has solidified what I did before. I was practicing when I was not a mom. And uh, like I've said to you, I didn't think I was going to be a mom. Um, I really wanted to protect 
the children going through divorce because they are the silent victims. And I really wanted to shelter them from that because I wanted to give them an opportunity at having healthy relationships in the future and just being able to be kids and, and, and grow up in a healthy environment. Um, now that I am a mother, I see that that initial instinct that I had was dead on. And it was the right way to view it. And it's so it's why I believe that people can go through divorce in a quote unquote healthier way, because at the end of the day, we are constant examples to our children. And unfortunately, divorce, like abuse and domestic violence, they're cycles. And we want, I want to teach my son how to have a healthy relationship with people, with a potential partner, and with his potential future wife. I want to teach him those skills uh, from my mistakes, from my learning experiences. Um, so I think motherhood has really made it that I more than ever truly believe that if we can sit down listen to people, let them feel heard, and really empower them with the right team of professionals and the right resources, they can get to a second chapter in a healthier way, and their children really get a fair shot at getting it right the first time. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's important. It's vital. I, I could not yeah. agree more. Well, I know you experienced yeah. a blissful pregnancy and what I would call as a birth doula, a post-traumatic stress disorder childbirth. And maybe for the, as we kind of close our conversation, um, many people, experts have equated divorce as the number two trauma that you can experience besides death. Um, but I... I would have to say that for many women, motherhood is a shock to the system and pregnancy is a transition. It's a hormonal nightmare. And birth itself is in many cases trauma. So you and I had an earlier conversation about the shock and the trauma of that difficulty and trying to heal and transition from that blissful pregnancy, which I didn't have, but <laughs> I was the one that threw up every day mm -hmm. and labor, but you were the opposite. But I'm going to equate this um, correlation of the trauma of divorce and the trauma of, of difficult pregnancy and labor. How did they compare for you? Oh, interesting. Um, so I think, uh, so that's very, that's a great question. So <laughs> how do they compare? That is a great question. Um, as far as trauma I think is concerned. I'm sorry? I said as far as trauma is concerned. Yeah. So I think for me, one of the things um, after my traumatic uh, delivery was looking back, 
divorce as much as, and I felt it too, and here I am as a divorce attorney, I did it every day. Divorce feels so out of control, but it only is, it's out of control if you let it be that. There is a sense of control. There is a sense of you can really drive the bus in a divorce. In a delivery, when the, when the trauma starts, you are at the hands of the doctors and the medical teams. That's it. I had no control over my delivery. I had no control over what was going on throughout my delivery that was just, it was nothing. I was completely, completely helpless. And there's a sense of helplessness that we have when going through, when faced with a divorce or going through it, which is extraordinarily understandable. But that's exactly what we need to understand is it's a moment, it's a feeling, but you can, if you're able to just, and we gotta crawl before we walk, but if you're able to take those first few steps, you can manage, you can have some sense of control over your divorce, not all of it, because if it gets in front of a judge, a judge has a lot of discretion, so there is a sense of, wait a minute, but there you can actually control some of it. In, in a delivery, you can, and that really, really makes you feel it adds to the trauma. In my opinion, it adds to the trauma because suddenly you're thinking it doesn't matter what your educational background is. It doesn't matter where you came from, what you do, how much money you have or don't have. It does not matter. You cannot do anything. Yeah. And that for me is the trauma of the delivery made it 10 times worse for me than the trauma of divorce. But it's funny because I think when we were talking about it, I said there were things, my divorce prepared me for motherhood and childbirth in ways that I, I never would have thought. And I think that a few things that for me resonated was the sense of you need a team. You need a team to get through a divorce. You need a team to get through birth, the delivery, and then motherhood. It really, I finally understand what they mean by it takes a village. Mm. Um, and I understand how lucky I am that I do have a village. I, I am, my heart goes out to those moms who really are alone. I, I just, I, I cannot imagine. I, I really, really cannot. And I don't think I would have been able to get through it without the team and the love and support that I have every day. Um, I think the other part is with divorce, it doesn't matter. You have to trust your instinct. So if you're meeting with a professional, something feels off, trust your instinct. You don't have to give yourself a why. Just trust. And it's hard when going through a divorce to trust yourself. I had, I didn't learn to trust myself till post-divorce and very into my healing process. But you have to trust yourself. When it comes to motherhood, it's the same. I'm a first-time mom. I don't know what I'm doing, but I have to trust myself. I have a good sense. I am figuring things out. I'm asking the right questions. And I just, 
I have to trust myself. You have to trust your instincts again. And that's a very empowering thing when you can do that again. And I think when you go through any transition in life that is so, it's a transition and it's hard. We lose that balance of trusting ourselves. And when you have a good base and a good core, you have to go back to the fundamentals. You have to go back to things that got you to places that you needed to be. Um, and that's ourselves and that's internal. Uh, I think the, another part of it is in a divorce, you, it's really important. We get caught up in the noise. And by the noise in the circus, I mean from your ex, from what everybody says you should do. Uh, everybody has an opinion when it comes to divorce. Everybody has an opinion when it comes to motherhood. Mm. Focus on what matters. That it's been really important for me at times to shut out the noise and, and look inside and focus on what matters, what my instinct and gut says, and what I think. Mm. And it's important to do that and not get lost in all of it because all of that noise, just all it does is you lose focus on what the end goal is. You lose focus on where you need to get to and how to get there. So I think that those things are really important. So it's interesting because I th was thinking about it the other day when I knew that I was uh, going to come on here and talk to you today. And I thought, you know, it's so interesting how when I look back on my divorce and everything I went through, it really prepared me in ways that I never would have thought for motherhood. Mm. And it made it that I am just at a place where I realized I can't have it all. Um, there are day, every day in motherhood, you fall short. In a divorce, you fall short too. There's no winning or losing. Mm. Uh, going through a divorce is really having to sacrifice that there are just things that you, you're not going to get. Uh, and I think that that's really important. Sometimes this, this, and we said this in the beginning, right? There's this sense of a, in a divorce where people feel that they failed. Then there's the sense of a, in a divorce where people feel like they've got to win something over their partner. There's no winning or losing. If you're going through a divorce, inherently, you're losing. Both parties have lost something. And both parties have to come to the table and sacrifice. And, and everybody has different thresholds of what those sacrifices look like. That's all right. That's where the conversation starts. But there's no winning or losing in a divorce. So that's a big warning that I give to everybody I talk to. If you sit down with any professional, from a lawyer to a coach to a therapist to an advisor, a financial advisor, anybody, and they tell you they're going to help you win in your divorce, that's the first sign. That instinct, those, that fire inside should go off. The red flag should go off. Because inherently in a divorce, we've all lost something. And the children have lost something. But we can rebuild the second chapter differently, healthier, and better. And, you know, I always say, and I know I've said this to you, and it's the truth. I didn't think I was going to survive my divorce. I didn't think I was going to survive the process. I then didn't think I was going to survive the healing process and the restructuring of my life and the transition. But 
if you would have told me that my chapter two could have looked the way that it did, I would have gotten divorced a long, long time ago. And that's why we can't be paralyzed by fear and confusion and being scared and all of the feelings that we feel. We've got to honor them and take steps forward because it is possible. It is possible to move into a chapter two that you look back at chapter one and you're thankful. You're grateful for the experience of divorce because you've gotten to a place both internally that you never thought you could get to and externally you've gotten to a place where life is better and it's a beautiful thing and I believe in it I do and it's hard and it takes hard work and it's years it took me years to get to this sort of peaceful place but going through my traumatic delivery and then have been thrown into motherhood I was able to look back on the strength that I had going through my divorce and post-divorce, and I was able to pull from that. On days where I couldn't get up physically because I was healing from the delivery, and days where emotionally my hormones were going fucking wild, and I could not get them in control, and I just wanted to cry and run away. I drew from that strength. So I am grateful for my divorce. I am grateful for that awful event in my life because there is no way I would be the person that I am today and the mother that I am every day to my son. There's no way. Um, And so I hope that for everybody, go through your process, honor your journey, surround yourself with the right people, ask for help. It's okay to ask for help. You'll get it. You'll get the right help. People, there's a lot of bad people in this world, but there's a lot of really good people out there. There's a lot of people that really want to help others. Look at what you're doing, Paulette, in so many facets of your life to help people in so many different ways. There's so many of us out there, but you've got to ask. We're not mind readers. You've got to ask and you will get it. And I believe in that. I do too. You know, it's interesting that you say that your divorce prepared you for motherhood because I believe that my experience with motherhood prepared me for divorce. Motherhood was so challenging. Yeah. I was sick every day. I threw up like a crazy person that I had broken capillaries in my eyeballs from the pressure of you know, the nausea. I was hospitalized the first trimester with my daughter. I had hypermesis gravidium, which means you throw up all the time. I um, was just pale and puffy and sick. And I looked like I had some horrible disease, but you know, that perseverance and persistence and, you know, it gave me so much courage and empowerment. And I gave birth to the three of them naturally. But it was really, I, rem- I had to tap into the strength of getting the divorce. It's opposite. I find that really fascinating where one prepares you for the other. And, and finally, like for those that believe that they'll never find love again, because there's a ton of them out there, right? That there are so many women out there and men, they, I will never be happy again. So for those that believe that they'll never find love again, 
How was the experience of remarriage different for you? Um, so I was one of those, I thought, not only did I think that I was never going to find love again, but honestly, I didn't want to find love again. I needed to fall back in love with myself. And that was a hard enough job. Mm. Then you add another person to that mix. No, thank you. I was very honest about it. I was not looking to date. I was focused on myself because I didn't want to get into another relationship. I knew that eventually I would probably get into a relationship and I didn't want to make the same mistakes and I wanted to be a stronger, better version of me. So I get it. So for me, it's, it's a few things. I think, you know, and my mom used to say this to me growing up and I always thought like, yeah, okay, but it's true. When you least expect it, and when you're ready, because there's been a shift internally that has happened, the universe gives you what you put out. I didn't know I was putting out these vibes of like, I'm together. I had healed in many ways. I am very much in love with myself. And then the universe gave me my now husband. And if, the uni if he would have come at an earlier time, I wasn't ready. If he would have come, I just wasn't ready. I wasn't looking and I was not in a place to be able to bring somebody into my life. Um, and so I think that it's one of those things where my marriage now, I have approached it very differently. I have had the conversations right up front that I did never had in my previous marriage. I have had the conversations from all of my clients and seeing sort of the types of conversations that you need to have to really set yourself up with a strong foundation. It doesn't mean that I won't get divorced. I don't know, but at least I'm setting up this marriage with a different foundation, a strong one that I believe is better for sure than what I did in my past because I didn't know I wasn't strong enough to do. Now there's also a sense of, I know who I am. I know what I need and I'm not scared to ask for that. Whether it's a, for a range of things, anything in a relationship, um, you have to ask you have to tell your partner, you have to have the conversations, tell them what you need, what you want, what you expect. And you also have to be able to hear and listen to them. And I hear my husband, I listen to him. And I do. I appreciate the little things. I appreciate the things that really mean something to me. And I express that. And it's not over the top. Because there are things that we inherently do for somebody we love that you don't need to hear a, oh my God, thank you so much. No, it's not about that. But it's about an acknowledgement. It's about we, every day I try and be the, I try and do the best that I can for my marriage. I put work into my marriage. Uh, a marriage is like a garden. You have to water it every day. Um, and look, I'm exhausted. My husband's exhausted. We are, I'm a full-time mom and I work two jobs. I am exhausted, but I make it a point every day to just let my husband know that I love him and appreciate him. And sometimes it's small. 
Sometimes it's very small. It's wiping down the coffee machine or doing something that I know is really important to him because he loves his coffee every day or just shooting him a text or having things for dinner that I know that he's going to want to make. Little things. But I put work into my marriage. I never, ever, ever put any work into my last marriage. I didn't know. I, I didn't know. Um, and I do. So you approach it. We all have experienced things in life. And when you really look back at, our, at your experiences, you realize that you've learned so much. And when you go into another relationship, you take those things with you. And it's really important for me. I never want to be in the type of, and I never will be, not with friends or my husband, in a toxic relationship like I was. It was toxic. And I was adding to it. And I did my part in it for sure. But I'll never do that again. And if something becomes toxic, that's my sign. It's time to try and fix. If fixing's not working and it takes both parties to try and fix, it's time to leave. And I know that. I know that in my soul. And I believe that. And so I've approached this marriage very differently. And I like it. I like my approach. I'm comfortable with it. Um, it's something that I feel that I'm setting myself up for success right now. And every day is different. And I just own my daily truth, but every day I work at this marriage because it's important to me. It's one of the most important relationships besides the one that I have with my son that, that I have. And I also have approached it differently because I'm a mom and I really want my son to have the skills and the tools to have healthy relationships with people and with of future partners. It's important for me. So I am very conscious of that. And uh, so it's been, it's been interesting. And it's funny because I don't compare one with the other. A lot of people have asked me that. Do you compare this mayor? Are you constantly comparing? I'm not, not at all. Um, we are different people, both my husband and I. Um, and I am a different person than I was 10 years ago. And I'm a different partner than I was. So I don't compare. I just take my experiences and what I've learned and I execute. Mm -hmm. And that's a, big, that's a big difference. I actually execute. There was a lot of, uh, I didn't execute uh, last time, last go around. And I didn't because I was scared. And I didn't because I was pretending. And I didn't for so many things that I don't do anymore. And that's become really important. So that's how it's been different this time around, for sure. Well, you are truly brilliant and deeply passionate and so real. And I love that. And thank you for coming mm -hmm. on the show. What is the best way for people to learn more about you work with you, follow you, use the, the resources, the experience, the mindset that you and I both preach. Sure. So first of all, thank you for those kind words. I appreciate it so much, Paulette. I feel the same way about you. And uh, one of my big things is after my divorce, I'm allergic to bullshit from people, <laughs> from everything. I am utterly allergic. So 
I really keep it real. This is the way that I am all the time. And that's owning my truth. That's not pretending anymore, like we said. So I really appreciate the opportunity today. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, people contacting me, sure. So uh, you can send me an email. I respond to every email. Um, there are there may be a few delays in that just because I'm home with the baby, but I will respond and I will talk to anyone. So I will give my personal number on the email so people can call me. Uh, but my email is Sonia, S-O-N-I-A, at Divorcify, D-I-V-O-R-C-E-I-F-Y.com. And please reach out. And I am always, always happy to help. That is the point of Divorcify. That is what I feel my mission is, is to share and to help. And if I can't help you, I'll find the resources that can. So uh, that's it. And somebody needs to just talk in an ear. I get it. Let's do it. But just don't stew in those feelings. Don't feel alone reach out for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you again. I am blessed to have you in my life and feel very uh, honored to be a vet vetted professional on Divorceify for the work that I do both with divorce coaching, being a divorce specialist with the NADP and being a registered mediator. I've really been transitioning a lot into the after process with helping with a lot of career development support. Um, that's where I find a lot of women get stuck. So you reach out to me and Sonia, everybody, and you know, just keep thriving in the chaos. That's what it's about. <laughs>